Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Calculated Absurdity Podcast with your hosts, Peter, Elias, and Tom. You can listen to our new episode every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. And be sure to check out some of our earlier episodes and find us on all major social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And the nice quote of the day is, how's it going, guys? It's been busy. I thought you were going to read an actual quote there. Nope. Is that just the name of this one? <laughs> quote of the day. How's it been? Yeah. Yeah. What's been going on? What's new? Nothing. Felt really slow today. I made a charging stand for a barber at my barber shop, which is pretty cool. So, uh, because the um, one of the shaver things that they have, uh, you can either spend $35 on a charging stand that's actually really nice, or get one from me that's <laughs> custom made. Is that is that hair, lettering haircut on, it. on the house then? Well, kind of. I mean, I... It was kind of funny because I was going to give him or I was going to sell it to him for 15 bucks, like just because, you know, competing price point, like you could, you could buy a manufactured, like nice product for 30 bucks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but he ended up just giving me 30 bucks anyway for it. So nice. that worked out for me. Very nice, dude. Sweet. Yeah. How'd your guys' Memorial Day weekend go? Good. Um, spent some time with Faith and her sister and her sister's boyfriend and we, uh, a little bonfire and just hung out. I nice. did home improvement projects. Ooh, what'd you work on? Painting. Sweet. Wow. So artistic. I, uh, no, were you, so were you painting ghosts? From the pictures I saw, painted, they, they looked like ghosts. So I built square ghosts. two little wall <laughs> shelves for Amanda's side of our bathroom. Did the towel rack. Painted the upstairs hallway, staircase, kitchen, and the cabinets. Changed out all the hardware on the cabinets, and I just reinstalled them today. Nice. Yeah, so nice. the entire, so the what, what was the, the walls themselves are all green. white, and then the cabinets themselves are a like um, off-white cream color. Uh, Amanda just sent me the picture, so I can send them. My big question is: Did you tape to do the cuts? Why'd you freehand it? Uh, depends on who was doing what, but I primarily freehanded. Show off. Nice. Yeah, it's so oh, much wow, better than great. what it was before with like the the wood. Yeah. Obviously. Are you are you planning on keeping your backsplash? Uh, for now, basically, this is just a temporary thing so that we are happy with the kitchen and just like the rest of the house. Um, and then probably yeah. a couple years down the road, we'll just redo the entire kitchen itself after I do the floors and everything. But nice. uh, there are, cool. what is it, three rooms left in the house, the entire house that has the ugly yellow. <laughs> yeah, the dining room that you see in that picture is one of them. Um, the half bath right there to the left of the image is the other, and then the uh guest bathroom upstairs or the second full bath upstairs whatever you want to call mm. it those are smaller rooms anyway well maybe the living room is a bit of a bigger room uh let's see here the to the oh and here's the before picture wow that's the before picture yeah much oh, better wow, yeah. yeah you got a uh, you got new knobs yeah, that's that was the hardware so we went from that hardware, white yeah. to like a more modern black style hardware and then got the new fridge as you can see and then a uh, new washer and dryer on the tuesday we came back from uh, florida had the whole Very nice. family over helping painting and then amanda and i finished up gotta love the uh did they go into uh like a late night finishing up painting uh i think amanda and i on sunday kept painting until like nine and then Monday we went until probably seven, and yeah, I just put up the hardware, uh, the the cabinet doors and everything, like maybe a couple hours ago. Nice, yeah, very cool. I remember doing the painting on the second floor, swapping out tenants the first time, and it was kind of the same thing. It was try to jump in and get as much painted as you could, but it spills over into the evening. Oh yeah. 
that's usually the most fun because it's you kind of have a sense of like you're almost done you're just on the last room and you've been mm-hmm. rolling uh so i just remember that's it's about the time that you can crack a beer and almost chalk it up to being done and just kind of enjoy the last little bit of it painting sucks i am so tired of painting this house but there's three rooms left up for like the main floors basement i'll do whenever i want to do it because the entire basement's pink as you guys have seen so i want to get rid of that eventually but um Mm -hmm. yeah painting cabinet fucking blows painting cabinets is is brutal i i just like rolling the walls no used high density foam brushes and rollers just to give yeah. it a smoother finish, but like because it was um a coated finish previously, like you can see the sheen in that um the before uh, photo, you have to prime it, yeah. right? And basically mm-hmm. you have to prime it perfectly, otherwise any kind of blemishes will show through from the primer. And then even with the actual cabinet paint, it takes like two to four coats to get it looking good. And this and the, these yeah. pictures are from afar too, right? Like you get up closer, you can see the imperfections. You can tell it's a DIY job, but like it just fucking sucks. Yeah, yeah. And anything that takes multiple coats just is disheartening. Having to go yeah. back over it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, honestly, even sometimes the walls. Uh, I forget what Nicole's dad calls it, but whenever you, the roller gets a dry section of it and it rolls and you can just kind of see the faint uh previous color underneath it oh yeah i forget what dude. he calls it but he's got a term for it and it makes me laugh every time because he can't help but call him out when he sees that's him. what happened on the staircase walls because it's the like cathedral ceiling it's like 20 something feet tall right mm. and um father-in-law said that he was laying it on pretty thick and then i come back look at it after it dried i'm like i need to throw like another heavy coat on this and it's like you can't tell while you're doing it right because it's just glossed over from the wet paint the lighting and everything else but whatever paint they originally painted this house with this like yellow it just does not like to go away and i'm just trying to get this base coat of white on everything and even when I do like a thick layer paint, like heavy as fuck, like one roller is maybe up the wall once or like two widths of paint. It's like fucking, I still have to come back. I'm like, what the fuck is this paint? <laughs> it just feels like it happens no matter what. There's always spots to go back through. So you just end up, I just end up flying through the room, let it dry go back and take a second look at it and just do touch ups. Yeah. It's almost inevitable. Yeah. But at least I did it with a base white so that you can like see pretty well cuz if I did actual color, I don't know if I would have had enough. I'm almost actually out of white paint finally. I bought two 5-gallon buckets like when we first moved in and the first bucket's out and the second one is like halfway through. I got that dining room to do and then the upstairs bathroom, but we haven't picked a color for the dining room yet. We're probably going to repaint the kitchen at some point just to get a color that we both like that can kind of blend with everything for now. Um, And then the uh, half bath, we have this light pink color that's going to go in there. But since it's so small, I think the one gallon bucket should be fine, but... But my entire weekend was just fucking doing work. <laughs> yeah, just home improvements. Tell you to weigh at your weekend. Mm-hmm. It was nice weather too. We got we went up to Wisconsin. Nice. So, what you do up there? Uh, my parents have a cabin up there, and actually, uh, it's fancy. my mom's side of the family in this subdivision, not far from the water, like one mile. Um, they all bought in the same subdivision. So on a holiday weekend when everybody is going up to their respective houses up there, and they're not big houses, they're just tiny getaway houses, but the, it's all of us. I mean, it's six families worth that are all pretty much next door to each other. So we all just kind of take turns on who's cooking breakfast, 
and dinner and who's hosting the bonfire. There you go. Usually anybody that's got the younger kids kind of gets the, everybody's following them. So that just happens to be us now. Did you do s'mores? We did, we did s'mores at our bonfire. Yeah, we did. Oh yeah. I, I bought jumbo marshmallows for once. Uh, definitely too big, but it was, it kind of made the experience a little bit more fun. Definitely. Th- oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see that they make um, filled marshmallows now? No, what? Oh, Phil, oh, stuff. Are you talking about the plush plush guys? They got uh, the chocolate inside the marshmallow. Yeah. What? Oh, wait, hold on. You're talking about food still? There's there's like chocolate and like peanut butter filled marshmallows. And there's also apparently marshmallows that like toast or like burn in different colors and stuff like that. No, huh. I'll just stick with the regular marshmallows. Right? That's kind of how I felt. Uh, I don't, you don't need to change it up, guys. Like, I'm in favor whatever. of more chocolate. So if you're stuffing marshmallows with chocolate, I'll try it. But I do think that they're, the original design of the s'more is, is pretty perfect. <laughs> yeah. Who, is the, who invented it? The s'more? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Zachary Smith Moore. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I made, I, made it up. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to. I'm trying to look it up right now. Um, I don't. I don't. Loretta Scott Crew. Wait, wait, s'more. In a Girl Scout book in 1927. Huh. The creation of the Some okay. More, as it was originally called. The Some. It was in a cookbook in the 1920s for the. It was called the Graham Cracker Sandwich. <laughs> Text indicates that treat was already popular with Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. In 1927, a recipe for quote-unquote some more was published in Tramping and Trailing Ooh, with the Girl Scouts. So I guess this s'more just kind of came up around the 1920s? Well, it, it was yeah. captured in some kind of recipe form in the 1920s, right? It could arguably be around yeah. as word-of-mouth thing or just like... Family tradition thing prior to that. Mm-hmm. When was the marshmallow invented? That's a good question. Campfire s'mores nachos. Wait, wait what? Campfire s'more nachos. Two thousand BC. A marshmallow? No way. Two thousand BC. The National Con- Confectioners Association. Ancient Egyptians were the first to enjoy a gooey treat now called a marshmallow as early as 2000 BC. I guess it must have been uh, similar to like gum, like early gum, you know, like chewing gum. Because I, 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 I think a lot of the ingredients in this is found in, um, oh yeah, it even says right here, marshmallow was made from the mallow plant that grows wild in marshes. They probably screwed around with plants, mashed it up, accidentally made a marshmallow, and then... Um, Wow, that's so cool. And then the French were introduced to the marshmallow in the early to mid-1800s. Oh, I, I forgot to add, the treat was considered very special and it was reserved for gods and royalty, which probably explains the uh, <laughs> near nearly 4,000 years <laughs> later <laughs> introduction to the French of marshmallows. Wait, say that part again? So, the, so marshmallows were around as early as... 2000 BC and the French and then it says later the French were introduced to marshmallows in the early to mid 1800s. Hmm. So maybe it was just like called something else. I don't know. Or maybe it wasn't commercialized as a candy until then or something. But wow. Oh, and even this website says no one knows the true history of uh, roasting marshmallows. But they reference that Girl Scout handbook as the first documentation of having graham crackers and chocolate with marshmallows. That's cool. I, I guess I'm like not too surprised, but am surprised at the same time. Yeah, this is going to be one of those one. facts that I learn and forget in the same day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I'll, I'll remember this. Because <laughs> I think chewing gum was a similar thing. Like it was, uh, I think the Aztecs. Did yeah, it, right? like chicory root, chicory or root, or, like, or the um, the tree bark. Yeah, that was like the earliest form of chewing gum, I think. But huh, seems like a lot of references are saying the 1800s, though. I thought it was around for way longer than that. 
Well, well I guess cool. it would come down to when the graham cracker would have been invented, right? Because if marshmallows were way before that, Maybe. chocolate was an early thing as well. I mean, it would have been really I think, bitter, just pure yeah. cacao, right? The uh, yeah. Central American, South Americans were doing that. Wasn't uh, graham crackers... I want to say that they had that in like World War One for part of their rations. That was biscuits, no? Or was it saltine crackers? I think it was saltines. I don't think it was graham crackers. Hmm. Maybe it was a similar concept. Like maybe they took the saltine cracker packaging idea or something and then later created graham crackers. Mid-19th century commercial development from about 1880. Hmm. Hmm. Close-ish. Did I tell you guys a story about my uh, the the tiny marshmallow ones that are like really colorful? No, no. Put them yeah, in the microwave. So, no, I um, ate too many. And one day I we we just had a bag of yeah, kind of <laughs> like that. We had a bag of those rainbow-colored you know marshmallows, the tiny little ones. Um, and I was kind of eating them, and then I thought it would be funny to just swallow them. <laughs> And I was I swallowed them and I was like, Hey look, I'm not like I'm not choking or anything, you know. I'm just gonna keep eating these and keep swallowing them. Well, maybe maybe like an hour or a couple hours later I I threw it all up. It was just it was just a rainbow mess. <laughs> it was like a real life nyan cat. <laughs> At least to say I was uh, kinda disappointed with my choice after that. <laughs> it's pretty gross. How long did that put you off them? Uh, actually not, not too long. Actually, I, I think indefinitely. Um, I feel like the little ones with the colors, they, they tasted a little bit different from actual like plain marshmallows or like the big ones, or maybe that's just in my mind. Um, like the texture and the t- taste was a little bit off on some of those. Um, but yeah, I, I'm cool with regular marshmallows, but I don't really like the, uh, small rainbow ones or like the modified ones. I think they do taste a little different, but I, I mean, those tiny it's been ones. so long, so I don't, I don't really know what those, what they actually taste like anymore. I thought those tiny ones were just for like hot chocolate, or decorating gingerbread houses. Uh, it might have been, but I had a bag. I was hungry, <laughs> <laughs> and so I just kind of went to town on those. <laughs> you're feeling like investigating we're, we're, what would happen. Yeah, yeah, we were at a friend's house, and they they just happened to have them out. I was like, hey, can I eat these? And they're like, yeah, sure. I just kind of munched on those. Yeah. Well, not really munched. I swallowed them. But yeah, you get the point. <laughs> were you were you crashing at the friend's house? No. Or you were just hanging out? Yeah. Oh, no. All right. How old do you think I was when I did this? 26. I'm fishing. I actually don't remember how old I was, but I think it was like elementary school somewhere. I was fishing, but... Uh, I was also wondering if it was like a, one of those sleepover activities when you're way young. Yeah. When there's like six. No parents around. Kids in the house in the basement or something. And there's. Nah. <laughs> drinking like way too many Mountain Dews or <laughs> just one of those silly oh, things. It was like a, it was like some small family party thing that we were at. Nice. What were we talking about the other week? Oh, Peter, any uh, progress on piano? No. Zero. I have a keyboard you could have if you wanted to uh, practice. You have a keyboard? You're not using it? Every once in a while, I'll pop it out and try to relearn some of the YouTube tutorials I'd gone through. Or try to grab another one. But for the most part, no. I might take you up on that. All right. I'll bring it with me on the next live. I mean, wouldn't the next live be at your place? <laughs> uh, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. What was the other thing that we had? Oh, yeah, peanut butter's a liquid. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. So where, where do we hear okay. about this? So to, to preface this, right, I don't remember where I saw it, but I remember seeing something pop up and the TSA had to make an official announcement and they even tweeted about it that for all intents and purposes they consider peanut butter a liquid 
because by definition, a liquid can only retain a shape within a vessel, right? And pe yeah. peanut butter is exactly like that. Like no matter what you do, it has well, it. It can only stay in the shape of the vessel. However, go it, ahead, go ahead, go ahead. It, um, does it count if you're like forcing it into the vessel to sh take that shape? Because like the natural peanut butters, they separate from the oil and then it kind of just holds its position. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I don't think. And then so like if you transferred it to another vessel, it wouldn't necessarily conform. I don't to know it. if the TSA is all about that level of semantics. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, probably. It's probably assuming peanut butter as yeah. a whole with the oil dispersed yeah. within it, it is yes. a liquid. <laughs> but since learning that fact and talking about it to you guys like off recording, I've also learned that there is a TSA recommended trick in terms of getting various liquids larger than three ounces through security, which is to freeze the liquid to turn it into a solid. <laughs> no <laughs> which way. is like wild to me that that's like such a... How did you find out about this? Uh, it was just some thread I was following. I don't remember exactly where, but like this was something... Someone talked about it, and it was something that was recommended to them years ago, like 10, 15 years oh my ago gosh. or something like that. And they've just been using it since, and then it's just like a bunch of replies. And some people were saying, like, they were they work for the TSA, and this is like they just let it through because it's a solid. It's on their website. Yeah. <laughs> frozen liquid items are allowed through the checkpoint as long as they are frozen solid when presented for screening. If frozen liquid items are partially <laughs> melted, slushy, or have any liquid at the bottom of the container, they must meet the three to one to one liquids requirements. I just don't understand. Wow. They're really splitting the line between a solid and a fucking liquid there. Dude, what? I just don't understand. I mean, who needs to fly liquids? College students? Oh, frozen shit. foods from home or something? Uh, my water. I can't. I don't want to dump it out. <laughs> it's, yeah, uh, exactly. I got to freeze it at home. But if it is a water bottle, like that's that is going to melt pretty quick. So you have to wow. melt something large enough. I'm sorry, freeze something large enough. Or keep it at such a cold temperature while frozen so that it doesn't raise so much between home or wherever you're coming right. from to the airport yeah yeah because i mean yeah going through tsa i mean it's on your person i mean it's in your uh -huh. carry-on <clears throat> I, I yeah i don't know that so, seems weird so if you froze your peanut butter yeah, yeah. nice <laughs> but what is the <laughs> freezing point of peanut butter because <laughs> there's oils in it but the the individual like three pieces of degrees peanut would probably Celsius crystallize, right? For natural peanut butter. Hey, this website. Wait, what? That's, this one says thirty-seven degrees Fahrenheit. I said Celsius, so that's pretty close. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's in line. <laughs> wow. Well, <laughs> life hack. We can do it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know Stock up on peanut butter, it, boys, but... on your next trip. <laughs> Toss it in the freezer, and you're uh... well. At first, when I when I heard you tell us that, I didn't know it had to be frozen all the way solid, all the way through. So I really thought people were putting items in water and then freezing the block <laughs> of ice around the items. <laughs> I don't think that would be allowed. <laughs> no, not at all. I was, I, I did. I was like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Let me just let me because just put I a can't bag understand of cocaine why... in here and freeze water around it. Aha, dude! Exactly. There are literally <laughs> fifty pages of what can I bring items from the TSA. Wow, what are some of the oddball ones? Antlers. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, stuff you yeah. can bring? Sorry. On like check oh, wow. carry-on bags or check-in bags. Wait, like fresh do antlers? They, do, they, do they give size restraints? Like you can bring across white-tailed deer antlers but not elk it antlers? It just literally says antlers. 
It's just you may transport oh. this item in carry on or check bags for items you wish to carry on. You should check with the airline to ensure that the item will fit in overhead pin or underneath the seat of the airplane. I don't know if I want an antler under a seat. That is going to be some uncomfortable fucking turbulence. Uh, under it's under the seat of the person the in front of you. Fuck it's fine. Bang snaps. Oh, so it was little <laughs> poppers. Okay, those are not allowed. By the way, so someone did try to sneak a gun inside a peanut butter. <laughs> John F. Kennedy International Airport on December 22nd. Officers found disassembled parts of a handgun wrapped in plastic and a magazine loaded with ammo inside a jars of peanut butter. Wow. That proves that. Well, they should have frozen it. Oh, wait, he should have froze it, yeah. <laughs> you can bring bicycle chains on your carry-on uh, bag. A bicycle Some, chain? Yeah. Somebody put a double-bladed knife inside of their laptop. That's wild. <laughs> Blenders are allowed yeah, on carry-on bags if the blade has been removed. Wow. <laughs> Imagine showing up to TSA. No bag, you're just carrying a blender. No blades or anything. Just at security, you just put it on the <laughs> fucking conveyor. It's got a fragile sticker. <laughs> You can transport a bread machine. Yeah, you know I, I really PS feel I really feel like that should be like a a a, a gamble. A loser has to go get a day flight to Peter, Salt, Lake, Salt, Salt Lake City and back. Sadly, yes. the technology doesn't currently exist to create a real lightsaber. However, you may pack a toy lightsaber in your carry-on or checked bag. May the force be with you. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Canned foods. Oh, it has to follow the 311. Uh, What's the 311? Uh, three ounces, one container, one bag. Car parts can be in your carry-on bag. Cast iron cookware is a no for carry-on. Cattle prods are a no for carry-on. Creamy cheese. Yes, less than or equal to 3.4 ounces. <laughs> Unless you freeze it. Solid cheese is perfectly fine, though, guys. Christmas light. Hope Christmas so. lights are okay in your carry-on bag. Dude, can you imagine? Feeling festive. A lot of airplanes just have outlets now at the seats. <laughs> you just plug in <laughs> the guys some in front of you. Christmas lights. <laughs> the seat in front of you just lights up on an overnight flight. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Eli, this is relevant for you. Coffee espresso makers are allowed in your carry-on bag. Wow. <laughs> That's fucking perfect. You can bring live fish. Actually, wait. I got my, um, I got my manual espresso maker. I, I could Yo, pack that up. what the fuck? <laughs> you can bring a tattoo gun. You can bring cowboy spurs. <clears throat> However, if you also want to bring the ink, you have to make sure it's less than 3.4 ounces. So you could do a tattoo on the plane. So you can get a tiny <laughs> tattoo on the plane. <laughs> While using your bread maker and waffle iron. Wearing your, wearing your cowboy spurs. Wearing your cowboy spurs with antlers and a live fish. <laughs> and a toy lightsaber. And this is the art that we need to make. Let's get back on ChatGPT. Don't mention the phrase to Eli. You'll fucking paste something in here in like two minutes. Wait, what? Sorry, I missed that. It's fine. No, tell me. We need a ChatGPT rendering of a individual sitting next to an artificial skeleton, because that's allowed. 
getting a tiny tattoo with cowboy spurs, antlers, a bread machine, a li- toy lightsaber, a live fish, and a waffle iron. <laughs> and that is allowed through TSA. Dynamite is a definitive no, guys. Just just in case you were wondering. Yes. <laughs> Same with loaded firearms in peanut butter Wait, jars or in modeling clay. <laughs> or English Christmas crackers? Oh, because it looks like M80s. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh oh. This text is too long. <laughs> the whole enchilada. Ninja climbing claws. Somebody tried to get through with. God damn you! Sitting next to an artificial skeleton, <laughs> there's an individual getting a tiny tattoo that incorporates various elements. The tattoo features cowboy spurs, antlers, a bread machine, a toy lightsaber, a fish, and a waffle maker. Let's imagine what this unique tattoo might look like. The tattoo artist skillfully weaves together these different elements into a cohesive design. That is a useless sentence. (laughs) The individual's chosen motif reflects their electric... Eclectic, eclectic interests and perhaps holds personal significance to them also a useless sentence here's a description <laughs> of how these elements might be incorporated into the tattoo cowboy spurs the tattoo artist incorporates the tattoo spurs into the design by placing them on the, at the base of the tattoo resembling ankle bracelets these spurs can be depicted with intricate details showcasing their classic western design antlers the antlers can be positioned as a crown above the individual's head extending outward and framing the tattoo the artist may choose to add artistic flourishes or incorporate specific deer or elk species to help to add realism or symbolism bread machine the bread machine can be creatively integrated into the tattoo symbolizing the individual's love for baking or their passion for homemade food it could be depicted as a small detailed device situated within the de- the tattoo design emitting steam or featuring recognizable to- bread shapes. Toy lightsaber. The toy lightsaber can be portrayed as a small vibrant object placed strategically within the tattoo, symbolizing the individual's affinity for science fiction, adventure, or their connection to the Star Wars franchise. The artist might include the glowing blade or other distinctive elements associated with lightsabers. Fish. The fish can be incorporated. Wow, this one gets deep. This one gets deep, dude. (laughs) This this description is so useless. The fish can be incorporated into design as a swimming companion near the individual's tattooed ankle. Wait, where did this go that the tattoo's going on the ankle? The cowboy spurs. (laughs) (laughs) It can be depicted in a stylized or realistic manner representing their love for aquatic life or perhaps symbolizing resilience, adaptability, or spirituality. Waffle Maker. The Waffle Maker can be depicted as a whimsical addition to the tattoo, representing the individual's enjoyment of breakfast foods or culinary creativity. It can be placed in close proximity to the bread machine and illustrating a connection between (laughs) these two kitchen appliances. Overall, the tattoo artist skillfully combines these seemingly unrelated elements to create a unique and visually interesting design. The specific placement and artistic style of the tattoo would depend on the individual's preference at the tattoo artist's experience. Dude, this is like a fucking sixth grader like report. It's so useless. Yeah. This is basically yeah, this is just, regurgitating the cliff notes. <laughs> yeah, it just it, re- it reiterated what the thing is that you want to get a tattoo of. Also, but I did not it, mean it get a tattoo coherent. of these things. <laughs> I meant these are all things that are physically on the plane and then along with that the guy is getting a tattoo of something else. Or I guess he could be one of the items, but you're allowed to be on the plane with cowboy spurs, antlers, bread machine, toy lightsaber, a fish, and a waffle maker. And then also you're allowed to get a tattoo. You can bring a grater onto a fucking plane. Like, what? 
Nobody move. <laughs> or the cheeks get it. I, th I think the cheeks are like the easiest thing to use the cheese grater on, right? You can bring hair clippers. What? Hey guys, if you if you had to threaten someone with a cheese grater, what would you do? Which cheeks? Yeah, I was gonna say butt cheeks. No, the face. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you hear cheeks and you're just like, no butt cheeks. You got other cheeks. I I, I went on your face. <laughs> Oh, butt cheeks. I thought you I were. I feel like butt cheek grating would be more incapacitating than face grating. You think so? Yeah. Well, I mean, on a plane, you'd actually have to... Don't you got more nerve endings on your face? Well, the face is exposed. How are you going to get somebody to comply, take their pants down, <laughs> hold still? I mean, it'd be like, it'd be like, hey, assume the over-my-knee position. Yeah. While you're, well, anyway, while you're also complying question. with that, but not complying with whatever the other thing is that I'm asking you or threatening you with a cheese grater. What, what would you do with a cheese grater? Head. Would, would you just like, if they don't comply, would you just smack them in the face? I'd start playing with it like it? a cowboy. Or would you try to use the cheese grater? I don't know how you use a cheese grater. I think that's probably why they said you can bring it. Well, doesn't like one, one side of a cheese grater have like the the... Like large slicing feature. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and that that can that could do some damage. How do you think maybe? they came up with these things? Is do you think that somewhere out there there's like a group of people at TSA that are like, all right, let's reenact this? No, it's probably just a, a growing list of stuff they've encountered. They they probably have a list of. They probably do do that. Maybe, or maybe they do do it that way. I I definitely. Th They're just like before before it gets crazy. Let's just. Have a meeting. They probably try to go through <laughs> as many things as they possibly can. Like they just take a dictionary and they just go word by word, right? But then they probably were like, oh, let's skip letters so and so because there's nothing in there. And then all of a sudden something comes up. <laughs> I'm still going through this list, and Magic 8 Ball is pretty good. <laughs> Whoever manages this page has some fucking humor. <laughs> for a carry-on bags we asked the magic eight ball and it told us outlook not oh so gosh. good <laughs> for checked bags we asked the magic eight ball and it told us it is certain i always wonder with things like this is this some temp or some intern it's gotta be some intern dude because they still gotta show that to somebody else to get it released live i would i would hope I mean, if you're not having fun at work, like, what's the point, right? Yeah, but everybody's got somebody in that chain of command that as you're trying to go through it's the, the fun approvals police. for that. Yeah, they're, well, listen, guys, I don't want to take away from the important facts. Oh, here's something else that you can be wearing on the plane uh, that you can bring through. Tortilla press. <laughs> night vision goggles <laughs> for those overnight flights. Oh, yeah. We're putting that in there. <laughs> Parachutes are perfectly fine. Tactical pen. Yeah, the ones that can like break <laughs> windows and stuff, right? Uh, maybe. Wow, this is a pretty long list, actually. Did you say it was fifty pages? Yeah, on the actual TSA.gov. So this is really funny. So they very earlier in this list, there's um, it said full size gaming consoles, and then in P, it it's very explicitly says PlayStation. Dynamite. <laughs> yeah, no. just a definitive <laughs> Printer ink is perfectly fine. No stipulations in terms of fluid size or anything like that. <laughs> this is funny. So this was relevant to me. Protein or energy powders, right? So I brought a baggie of pre-workout with me to Hawaii for our honeymoon years ago. And when I just put it on a bag and a Ziploc bag and I looked at it, I'm like, this is not going to be okay. So I peeled the label off and threw it in there. They didn't even fucking take it out of the carry on bag. Yeah. Oh, wow. I was like, you don't want to check if this is just pure cocaine or something. Like what the fuck dude? Yeah. I wonder if, um, maybe it has something to do with like the densities. Maybe. 
being different maybe like even though it's just powder the the screen probably just doesn't even read it as anything <laughs> they had to specify this <laughs> rocket launchers <laughs> <laughs> like what <laughs> oh here's the interesting Safety matches. One book of safety non-strike anywhere matches are permitted as carry-on items, but all matches are prohibited in checked baggage. You can bring matches with you. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. Wait, aren't all matches strike anywhere matches? No. No. What what, what oh, am you, I missing? What's what's a You need that strip. Yeah, you need that abrasive strip on uh, most matches. That's, I don't think you do. That's the safety match. The strike anywhere match can literally be any kind of surface that has friction. Yeah, I, well, okay. I've, I don't think I've ever used one of those before. I don't. I haven't either. Seems like fun though. I'd be paranoid. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like having that. Or something. Be like, <laughs> There's a. I, I mean, even with the regular matches, I'm I'm paranoid about it. Hold on. There is a specific thing for the Samsung Galaxy Note Seven. Because that was the no. notes, the Samsung Galaxy Note that was exploding. <laughs> yeah, that was right. so bad. Yeah. Was weren't they actually exploding because the phone itself was like warping in people's yeah. pants? I I think or the, something like that. Like they keep it in their back pocket or whatever. Battery, yeah, the battery, battery. Was expanding. Well, oh wait, was the battery expanding already, or was it because of the? It was the because of the force bending that was being force applied to the phone, and and then that caused the battery to start failing because so. it was screwing up the um, contacts, like the lithium contacts inside of the battery, and then it caused it to chain react and expand, and then eventually just combust and short circuit or whatever on the inside. Yeah, I I, I think that's right. Here's an interesting one. <clears throat> Screwdrivers shorter than seven inches is allowed on carry-on bags. Ah, screwdriver code for something or? Well, I kind of want to take a tape measure to my LTT screwdriver now. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, speaking of which, there was a video, I forget what, it was one of their off channels where they go to like conventions or whatever. This this guy was using the the LTT screwdriver, but it was a miniature version. Yeah, they're um, working on one. Yeah. I, they were using it there. I was like, wow, that's cool. I wonder if it's going to be... It'll be mass-produced. You know, half the uh, cost. Doubtful. <laughs> Maybe like two-thirds of the cost. Yeah. I could see that. I fucking love my LTT screwdriver, though, dude. Yeah. So nice. Me too. Not sponsored, but... <laughs> be fucking cool if we Great were the... screwdriver. You can bring a snow globe as long as the liquid inside is less or equal to 3.4 ounces. So a tiny snow globe, approximately tennis ball size, but that could still do some damage to someone, no? Ve- vehicle airbags, you can't bring it, but it's on this list. Yeah, they have to clarify, man. Someone must have, someone had to have tried bringing You can this. bring a stapler. Yeah, those things are fairly innocent. I feel like so many things are actually fairly innocent. We just feel like they have a, you know, sharp point to them in some capacity, so they could be dangerous. But I can't imagine anybody getting them too far with a stapler. <laughs> they had to specify throwing stars. Like what the fuck, man? Really? <laughs> hey. While you're getting a tattoo, you can make some tortillas in your tortilla press. Hey, throw the link to this in the uh, <laughs> Excel file so that you throw it in the notes. Yeah, I will. <laughs> Adult toys are allowed in carry-on bags, guys. Wait, Harry Potter one. Yeah, I Did saw that? that. That had to be specified. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> I didn't think it was like noteworthy enough, but it's just... They should have did like the copyright logo on the name too, because yeah, didn't we know that toys were allowed? Because that's the gag that all the bachelor parties do. Is which toys are you talking about, Tom? Adult toys. Uh, the parentheses adult. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> oh, here's the Xbox specification, even though they clarified full-size consoles earlier. So I'm sure if they get enough questions of people <clears> asking <throat> about specific items, they'll... But yeah, they clarify fucking full-size consoles. And it's like... Although I, w- I would imagine more people are messaging about Xbox and PlayStation than Harry Potter wand. Oh, they're probably asking if it's like safe for the console to go through the machine. Oh. What's the one that everybody that's that's more portable now? The Switch, Switch yeah. How, do you guys have that? I do. I have the Steam Deck. I don't even know what that means. Um <laughs> what's the <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> What's the It's basically Switch like a Nintendo like? Switch in a way. Uh, I love my Switch for traveling. Yeah, it's nice. And especially if you have like friends over, you know, it, it duels as, you know, two controllers right yeah. off the bat, which can be useful. You have a dock um, to, so you can play on a TV and then you can just remove it from the dock yep. and take it on the go. You can pair up to eight controllers to it. Um, honestly, like when it came out, it was probably, it was like a huge leap in um, console tech and that's where all the uh, manufacturers are or all these companies are going now with handheld devices i mean playstation just announced their handheld device after however many years since the psp yeah i was just about to say this looks like a psp but you can take the controllers off on each side of the yeah screen basically that that's sort of the form factor that the switch uses or any or psp rather even i guess they were kind of the first ones that did it uh i mean like 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 controllers on the controls on the side of the screen well you had the game boy advance seems like that's kind of where we're going because all the electronics just sit behind the screen um and then and then that's you're pretty much left with only the sides for like um Keeping that rectangular shape. I think the I original Game Boy Advance comfort. came out before the PSP. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess they were the first ones that did it. Check that. PSP in North America, two thousand five. Game Boy Advance was two thousand one. So yeah. Yeah, I guess they did Game Boy Advance and then SP and then the three yeah. DS or whatever. Well, it was the so DS like and then kind of went back and forth. Yeah. yeah. With like the controls on the side or whatever. Yeah. Elias, what was your th- um, other thing? He had, yeah, he has Steam the Steam Deck. Deck, which that is basically a computer compared to the, the yeah, other stuff. I, you, I could hook that up to like a USB-C dock. Oh, wow. And it, it's it's kind of, I, I want to say it's the equivalent of what, like a Chromebook? Uh, yeah, I think. Maybe? Or I mean, definitely stronger. Like a high-end Chromebook. Like a, yeah, like, like, a, like an okay you laptop. Can, like install windows on it you can plug in a keyboard and mouse into it even though it's technically a handheld device it's got internal storage and everything it runs an operating system Mm -hmm. um and And then lots of competitors now are making their own version of that device but the reason why it it took off and this handheld market's kind of coming out of the woodwork is the switch has been kind of reigning supreme for the longest time but because it's a Nintendo exclusive device. You're kind of limited to what you can play on it unless you jailbreak it. Yeah. And then they, so Steam Deck was like the first big competitor to it where it's like, hey, you can play all your Steam games on it, except they have to go through a vetting process to actually be able to play on it officially. But there's stuff that you can do to play any game that you want on it. And... Yeah. The newest competitor to the market is the Asus one, the Asus handheld one. I think Logitech re- recently came out with one. Yeah, too. The, uh, Logitech just announced one or just hit the streets with it. And um, Nintendo's nowhere close to even announcing their next console. Steam Deck 2 is rumored, but I don't think it's coming out anytime soon. PlayStation, uh, Sony PlayStation announced their handheld. So. People are really trying to, it, it's almost like our technology just isn't quite there yet, but everyone's trying to jump into this handheld gaming, I think, for the prospective future of cloud gaming, in the sense that you don't necessarily need, um, you don't need these video games like on your own system. 
you just basically game over the internet, so to speak. Huh. Yeah. Um, but like we're not. I don't even think we're there yet because there's just so many problems that come with oh, yeah. it. The latency and um, just any. If you're a gamer and you you hit, you know, you hit any sort of sluggish performance, you get pretty annoyed pretty oh, yeah. quick. So it we're definitely like not there yet, but we're we're kind I mean, of there. We got a pretty big leap with going digital versions of games instead of um, hard copies of games for handheld devices, yeah. right? Like you can mm -hmm. buy digital versions of all the Nintendo Switch games, right? And all you have to do is basically make sure you're connected like after you download it and update it and then you can play it offline like i can play any of the games i have downloaded on my switch in airplane mode and not have a problem and i can also browse the internet on it if i wanted to um i've used my switch to connect to united wi-fi on flights and watch a movie off of it instead of my ipad because i just had it out so hand handheld gaming is it's really weird that it's making a resurgence considering that developers are making so many phone games, but because they're phone games, they're constantly needing connection. There's only like a handful of games out there nowadays that can be played offline. So mm -hmm. I feel like I'm, I'm wondering also if game developers are starting to realize that putting effort, putting effort into certain games can still rake in money. Well, I don't know. This isn't something I haven't really thought about much, so I'm kind of just spitballing here. But um, like games like Hogwarts Legacy or Elden Ring or like the Zelda franchises, um, just the the sheer content of these these games uh, because of the time and energy that was put into them, um, and the general like happiness meter of like the players themselves over like other games that are just being churned out by corporations uh, just for the sheer benefit of raking in the dough. Um, it almost seems like there's being a dynamic shift in like putting more effort into games to make them more uh, more meaningful, I guess, or like so that they have more content and then their, their player base like falls in love with it and then just sticks I with it. I think the... Sorry, you're kind of out of touch on this one, Tom. But I, th I think Elden Ring and the newest Zelda game really b gave that a second breath, right? Because uh, Elden Ring, they wanted perfection out of the game. And that's more or less what they got um, to all the people that played mm -hmm. it, right? And then the Zelda game, the um, director of that game, he made the call to delay the game another year, I think it was, Oh, even yeah really? and wow. at the point that he delayed it he said that the game was basically done they just took that extra year to refine the game because of all the crazy stuff they implemented into it like um tom basically in this game like the crazy um uh, mechanic for it is you can take objects and fuse them together to create an, a new object like as soon as the game hit people were building vehicles and robots in yeah. a legend of zelda game like mini yeah. engineering oh wow. yeah but it's because of that extra year of polish that they got this perfect product and and that people are basically saying it's game of the year and it's only the end of may now it's like we have six more months of games that to come out but there's nothing triple a that would even come close um and then on the flip side you have a game that would uh, cyberpunk 2077 where people were super super hyped up for it but on release it was just an absolute nightmare because it was mm -hmm. basically a incomplete game and so there's a real big push from the player base to go you guys can delay a game like there's nothing that's telling you besides like your corporate overlords to push out a game and then slowly patch it as it goes or introduce the yeah. next major thing as a or, or like a, a, a promise feature as a dlc package right or an expansion package i mean it's a lot of these games that are coming out that people are excited for single player games it's not a live service game like um which would be like world of warcraft or destiny as an example those are live service games so they're constantly getting updates 
and things like that. <clears throat> so the fact that single player games are coming out and they are just shitting the bed, the the gaming community is really pissed and they're kind of like fatigued of it. It's been like this for what over a decade now. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like Call of Duty or like Sims, um, Far Cry series, like Ubisoft or whatever. Um, like the Activision Blizzard uh, and or Activision and Ubisoft. Yeah, like all of them. Like they they just pump out games every year, um, every year or every yeah, basically every year. Um, and I don't know. A lot of these games are, you know, still being sold at the typical rate of $60 for the last, I don't even know how long, 20, 30 years. Well, um, Nintendo actually pulled the trigger on increasing their game prices finally. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if that's going to be the trend with certain games because um, it, it's sort of a tough market, you know? Like, it's not even just video games taking up the time of, like, a person's life um, given that they only have, you know, 24 minus their sleeping hours of time to to work, eat, play video games, uh, watch TV shows, watch movies, like the amount of just so go on social media, the amount of stuff that we have that can fill our time. All these corporations are kind of, you know, pushing for it. So I don't completely blame them, I guess, for trying to grab our attention with pulling a new game like every single year because, you know, strong, meaningful games like Zelda or something like they'll, they'll play it for, I don't know, maybe four months or longer, who knows, but they'll just end up playing something else. And then now that's uh, lost time, I guess. I, I don't know. And to put it into perspective for you, it's just a weird um, market. Basically like every single year, there's a new Madden. Every single year, there's a new um, Call, Call of Duty. Duty. There's two, there's two companies that do. Yeah. Call they rotate every year. Every it used year. to be three companies, yeah. but then one of the companies dropped out, I think, or they got their contract cut. And the craziest thing, Tom, there has been no crazy, like, innovative changes between the games, right? But they yeah. still pump out a different one every single fucking year just to pump one out. Yeah, I guess. It, so for me, it would make more sense that they would not spend extra time, like another year, like you said, for this most recent one, Cyberpunk. Um, well, Cyberpunk I would think was delayed a couple times and it still came out like a pile of garbage. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was your that was your example of after that one, the gaming community went back and said, hey, similar to whatever that first game was that where you can uh, weld weapons together. Legend of Zelda, um, the newest one. Similar to that, what, you know, take the other year and perfect it almost. We would rather the perfect game as opposed to something that comes out and has all of these issues. But I would have thought that retention being the biggest fight against their target audience they would rather just be pumping one out every year well i I guess that is definitely a like corporate decision to make right or a uh the game director's decision to make when developing the game because you can look at it like how activision blizzard does with the call of duty series right they know how much money they're going to make every single year releasing the same game aka call of duty just with a different title and different maps, right? They they know how much they're going to make. If they decide to give uh, a break of two, maybe three years between Call of Duty games, they lose out on a, a lot of that money, right? But will it be? Will they make that all up because those two, three extra years that they decide to push the next one, will they do something innovative to the franchise that'll? Um, bring back a lot of player base. I mean, the the best example right now is, uh, I don't know if you're familiar, Tom, but the Assassin's Creed franchise. I know the game. Yeah, so the most recent one, um, so Assassin's Creed went from that assassination game to like a RPG style game, okay? The most recent one came out in 2020, uh, and that was Vikings-oriented. Uh, and they've been quiet since. And all of a sudden, in the most recent like um, gaming announcement showcase thing, they are coming out with a new one that's going back to the root of the, the Assassin's Creed franchise. And they've been working on this like <laughs> quietly for 
years, right? <clears throat> but obviously, the gaming community is really kind of touch and go with the idea of it because the the company that's behind it, Ubisoft, kind of like what Eli was saying, that they just push out games just to push out games. But the fact that this franchise, which is a beloved franchise to the gaming community, is all of a sudden going back to its root. There's everyone's holding their breath. And we're hoping that the fact that they didn't announce anything until now, the year that the game is planned to come out, means that they've been working on it and polishing it. Right? But again, money money is the big driving factor for it. Maybe it wasn't it's not going to come out 100%. Maybe it'll come out at 90% just to get those sales going because Ubisoft has been having, I, I think they've been having a pretty bad year, all things considered. They haven't really released anything too much, right, Eli? Yeah, they've been fairly quiet. I am shocked that there hasn't been any major developments in games. I would have thought that any of the larger... Oh, there's been huge developments in games, dude. Oh, well, I thought you... Yeah, there's a, there's also a new engine that's coming out. Unreal I think 5. A lot of developers are working towards that. Like, they're not coming out with anything because of this major system update. And I think we're going to start seeing some crazy stuff in the next, like, year. I thought you um, said that that game so. where you can now combine weapons was a, something new and there hasn't been anything new in a while. Uh, it's new. It was new for the Legend of Zelda franchise, right? Because that's always just been kind of a hack and slash puzzle thing. Yeah, I think I feel like they got the idea from probably Fortnite. I, I think the crafting in Fortnite and the the excitement that people got out of that game, I think, triggered a response to have uh, implement more like creativity or something or um, dynamic changes <laughs> to your gameplay. Such as like crafting well, or yeah. like building. Sorry, not Sandbox. crafting. We've had crafting already, Sandbox but style building. games where you kind yeah. of just can do what you want when you want. And that's kind of, it's bringing back older gamers more and retaining younger gamers, right? Because that's, that's the market, right? When an age group kind of phases out of it, then they have to try and do something to bring people back, which is where a lot mm -hmm. of game remakes are, are actually really popular right now or remasters. I mean, um, Sony is doing the remaster of final fantasy seven. Right. And instead of being a like turn base Japanese RPG, it is actually a free roam world where it's active combat. It completely flipped the 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 script entirely um but here here's the problem they said they were going to do it in three parts the first part came out years ago and they're still working on part oh. two yeah like and and that's that's part of the of the issue too the part one they were selling at a full retail price of like 60 dollars, and it's only part of the game when and it's very well known in the gaming community that games should be costing like right out the gate retail price, probably closer to like $120 a game, right? Just in terms of dev commitment, paying the bills and everything else on their end. But it's just been maintained at $60 since fucking beginning of time for gaming. And so Nintendo is actually the first, I think the first one to start making a push to bump it up to $70. But it's very specific $70 for um, hard copies. I think it's still 60 for digital because they're saving on the distribution fees. You know what they should do with the pricing model is keep it, keep it at 60, but if you have, well, okay, maybe this is gonna be stupid, but what I was thinking was if you have, you know, X number of hours played, then you basically agree to paying like another $10 or something to signify that you're happy with the game and that that is the actual price and you kind of did like a trial period or some shit. Because by raising the price to the, you know, whatever, what was it? 75 for the new it's Zelda 70. game? 70. So $10 over the typical market rate for a new video game. You're, you're really pushing your reputation here and... I guess if you can keep it going, sure. But at some point, you're you're tricking your fan base and basically just milking them for the extra ten dollars of scam money in a way, which is pretty 
unfortunate. I just don't know how many people you're going to get to actually volunteer to pay the extra. Well, time. it'll be like an agreement thing. Like if you if you buy it through you know your Nintendo store or something, like it'll be sixty dollars. But you know if you like it, then and keep the game for X number of time or something. You pay the seventy or something. But Steam already does something where you buy a game and you have up to two hours of gameplay uh, before you can fully refund it for basically no reason. So you you do get a trial period with Steam, which is kind of cool. But I'm not entirely sure like what what the I guess what the future is with the pricing of video games. It, it's been there isn't really a whole lot of data on it necessarily but basically they're like oh well people are basically willing to spend sixty dollars no more no less this is what we're going to keep it at and it's basically been like this for like 30 years yeah okay well uh thanks for listening everybody uh make sure to check out some of our older episodes if you would like to hear more or check out our new episodes every wednesday and have a good one bye bye, bye.